Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, everyone. This is Weldon Johnson of Let'sRun.com um, with a special edition of Let'sRun.com's Track Talk. We're here to celebrate the 203-03 marathon by the great Kenisa Bekele at the BMW Berlin Marathon. I'm joined by Let'sRun.com's um, Jonathan Galt and a special guest, the professor of the marathon, Sean Hartnett of Sean, I don't know what's the best way to describe you. Um, track and field news, your professor of um, cartography. I don't know. But um, Sean was in Berlin. He's very close to a lot of the runners, and he's very instrumental in, in setting up the pace clocks that set a lot of the world records in Berlin. And they also put one in place in London this year, and that's where you saw the amazing run um, by Ilya Kipchoge. So, uh, it, it, it's great to have you, Sean. Uh, we also have a confession to make. I think Berlin was the first marathon that the entire Let's Run.com staff did not watch. Um, I'm recovering Why? from pneumonia. Why? I, I woke up at, and saw the halfway split and just said, I can't. I have pneumonia. I can't watch this. John was visiting his uh, sister, Steve's wife's pregnant, Robert's in Italy. So we all missed it. But uh, hopefully you can give us the insight. Welcome, Sean. Well, that's that's the one one deficiency that uh, Berlin Marathon seven seven hours or six hours to the East Coast is makes it difficult. You know, even the Japanese marathons, you know, twelve hours difference. You can usually stay up for those. But uh, but other than that, uh, I find it to be uh, you know it's uh, uh, well as as it's known amongst the majors, it doesn't have the uh, the biggest budget, but as uh, Race director Mark Milday likes to say they they have a great course and they they usually have very good weather so it uh, makes a chance for uh, fast racing and that's that's what it's become known for and this year was no exception a lot of times uh, the history of the world record there is well established a lot of those races are solar runs over the final mi- miles and um, in this case we had a great battle in some cases it might have jeopardized there were much like in London, there's a, shall we say, a tentative period during the race, um, sizing up tactics, and that little pause at this high of pace can, can in a matter of kilometers, uh, make a record very difficult. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure where even to begin, but I was sort of looking back at some of the stuff, and I was reading something you'd written a ways back, and it was Paul Turgot's sort of view on the marathon, and it was to run sort of Three flat pace, I think, for 20 miles, which is 206 pace, and then try to kick. And, you know, it used to be, really to be you could get the world record off of that, but not anymore. you got to run 254 the entire way. Well, that that was a different era. And um, it actually, I, I thought Paul could do it by maybe running the first sub-29 or 29-second final 10K. But he thought he could sustain it for 15 kilometers. Uh, a more sustained kick. So it was actually 27 kilometers at three flat, and I think they ran 259.7, you know, average on that. And then the final 15K, you know, he kind of went to a different gear. In this case, it was a 255, and he ran, I think, 254.8 for 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 lat pace and, and got the record. Almost lost it at the Brandenburg Gate as he... Uh, our lead vehicle pulls off right before the Brandenburg Gate, and actually uh, even Kenanisa tried to follow us a little bit off, off, off the course rather than going straight through. But that was uh, the first world record I saw in Berlin. There were actually several several before that. But here's amazing is now they run the whole race at that 254.8 with 
Turgot could do for 15 kilometers. That's that's the exact pace of 250, 257. That's yeah, it is pretty amazing. Maybe the back end of the show, we should sort of talk more about history, but um, I think I've let us lose a little focus. Let's first focus on this year's race. I mean, a lot of people sort of kind of thought going in that Wilson Kipsang might be a little bit past his prime. Bekele is Bekele, but, you know, his best marathon is 205. He was talking about being 80 to 90%. Um, but from talking to you, you know, it sounds like Wilson Kipsang made this. He's the one who won the world record. Sort of talk about, you know, what the mindset was before the race. And, um, I mean, I, I don't think you were surprised that they actually went for it. I think a lot of us really were. So sort of, you know, well, how, how what's the sort of interaction between the race and the athletes before there and you and what sort of role? We're just kind of curious how this all goes down. Well, it's uh, totally truth. Uh, Berlin Marathon uh, for Wilson Kipsang uh, started uh, Monday after the London Marathon. Um, his manager maybe even tells me as as soon as he lost it to, uh, you know, his, his uh, uh sometimes training partner, uh, Dennis Cometo, that, that he had targeted, you know, this year in Berlin to try to get it back. The Monday after London, he, he, had, he had time. Now, uh, where Bekele was not chosen for the team, uh, Kipsane was uh, in prime contention, and he had good record, you know. It was the, the, and, uh, but he, he basically said no to, to Rio. You know, he already has a silver medal. But uh, and and he had some experiences in Beijing in the heat that uh, you know he didn't feel that he could you know produce his best race. But more importantly, he wanted his record back, and and he he asked me if that plan would be good. He, asked, he actually asked me if uh, you think Berlin would would take him, and I said you you know if you explain that you're turning down Rio because you want your record back, there'll be no problem. And then we talked a little bit he had, in London. He actually. Is you know his results in Beijing last year, and then you know coming to New York on uh, you know to to you know he was off his game from what he had been, and you know in over the last five years, you know Kipchoge's come up now, but but Kipsang is uh, you know dominant runner. You know now he's got what three of the top eight of all times, but he was a little off. But you know he's got a lot of things going on, and we talked at that that breakfast that if he really wants it, you know, I remember stretching my arms out wide. I'd say, here's, here's your lifetime. And then I held my fingers about two two inches apart and saying, here's here's the part of the lifetime when you can chase the world record, you know, and, you know, you have to really focus on it. And he said that 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 is, that he'll do. You know, he said that he's going to, you know, set aside his hotel projects because, you know, you know, he realized this, this was his opportunity. So from that point on, there there was the commitment. To, to Wilson, his training went well. I remember I sent him something during where the Olympics was, and everybody was focused on the Olympics. And I said something like, you know, five five weeks to opportunity. And so he he was in great shape. From the word go, he was talking about world world record pace here. Uh, he won sixty one thirty. He asked me to make a little schedule, and and so I made like five k segments, six. 1434 is the exact pace for for uh, 202.56. So we looked at one like that, and that's, uh, well, it's uh, uh, 60, 61.26 at halfway. And then we made one that, that flows a little bit uh, in the fast flow segment. There is a little uphill from about 15 to 25 in Berlin. Uh, the first 5K is very fast. Uh, cause it says it actually starts flat and then trends downhill towards the river. And so there's a little play. So, but that one, it, it equated out to something like uh, uh, 101.42 and then finishing up faster. And that was passed around, and most people thought that Wilson was way too fast. But you know what? Wilson insisted on the, the 61.30 or better, and they run 61.11. There's eight people along for the ride. And uh, so, first and foremost, it was Wilson committing himself to it and then proving it. You know, he, he ran a 10-second PR as it was. Uh, he had he had one problem. 
it was the perfect scenario for for Bekele. You know, here he is he's he's nobody's talking to him about world record. You know, Kipsang uh, has created the perfect slip scene in terms of both media expectations, athlete expectations. All the Pacers were Kipsangs, including uh, Rono, who who was the de facto Pacer. But uh, Pacers can't finish. Rono wanted to finish, and uh, so all of the uh, Shall we say they said the burden of a world record chase was on on Wilson's shoulders, and admirably, you know, uh, you couldn't ask for more commitment before, during, you know, the race and uh, level of performance. But then you have Bekele, you know, maybe the greatest running machine of, uh, uh, and, and not only running machine, the you know he's got the heart and the soul. I mean that to be to be off the back. And, uh, you know, he had some problems with his hamstrings. Uh, there is a lot of racer in Kenanisa Bekele, you know, not just talent. So yeah, it, with, sorry to jump in, but yeah. when Kipsang says he wants to go 101.30, did that intimidate Bekele? Or is he saying, hey, I want it slower? You know, he might want a 102.30, it seems like. Is there... Well, there's, yeah, you know, he wanted closer to, to 62 flat, and uh, um, in part, you know, he's coming in the race with a 205 PR. Uh, he had a big improvement in London. Uh, he's finally been piecing it uh, together. You know, he had a good debut in Paris. Uh, you know, maybe took a step back in Chicago. He had, you know, the injuries in Dubai. You know, uh he had gotten it maybe half right in London, maybe half of a training session. But uh, he had put it together on, on many fronts. You know, he's he's, he's uh, with sustainedly working with a coach. Uh, he's got his own physio. He's been healthy now. And after many people have been trying to, to uh, get him to increase his long runs particularly, uh, he... he Picked up the advice of uh, no one else but Eli Kipchoge. At the London press conference after the race, uh, even though you know you know his manager Yas and various coaches, that was the one element that that Bekele was lacking: the long runs that condition you to to that that the distance isn't a problem. He listens to Kipchoge talking about his 40k, 42k long long runs. And that rings a bell with Bekele, and and he's dedicated to the to his program. So they talked about eighty percent fit. This is Bekele came to this race as fit as it ever been for a marathon. So I'm closer to up to hundred percent fit in terms of what he what he has at this point in time. He may learn more from this race and get to a higher level as he goes on, but he came in as healthy and as fit for this race, and yet. Kip saying, you know, you know, uh, was was shouldering the responsibility. So it, it was a perfect scenario for Bekele, But you're right; he would have preferred 62 because he's coming in with a 65. His primary goal was to uh, get the Ethiopian record, which is you know 203.59. So that makes more sense. But what happens in Berlin, particularly if you have, you know, and Kip saying is in high regard to the Kenyan athlete. You know the work he does with the federation. If the athletes know he's in shape, and if he knows at this point in his career that he wants to go at the record, this is why you get eight guys going at that pace. You know, there was one guy that was supposed to be in the third group, uh, Lagat, in that group. You know, that's like the the two hundred six, two hundred seven pace, and all these guys are at sixty one eleven. You know, and you know you got perfect weather. You got this beautiful course. Um, and you know, there's only a few times you you can toe the line in Berlin. Seize the days, the opportunities, and you know this was about as rambunctious. We often have quick starts in Berlin, but you know this was the test, the theory of can we go out at? I don't want to call it suicide or pace, but uh, looks like over the top pace. Got to prove for a good chase. Yeah. If you're just joining us, this is uh, Let's Run.com's Track Talk. Weldon Johnson here with the professor of the marathon, Sean Hartnett, and Let's Run.com's Jonathan Galt. Um, 
I'm posting in the chat box if anybody's on there the marathon splits from London. But, uh, you know, yeah, you talk about the sort of conversation. I mean, we can sort of talk about, I think let's talk about the end of the race first, but we could talk about where they lost the record. But they went out in 241 the first K. I mean, that's crazy. And then, like you said, eight guys are there halfway, including um, Lagat. And, you know, I woke up and rewatched the race. My My dad was here, actually, and I was sort of when the first break went, the only guy who went with um, or stayed closest to Kip thing was Alfred Lagat. And I told my dad, I'm like, dad, I have no idea. I have no idea who that guy is. You know, but I think some of it just shows the mindset for, of these guys. They're, they're, they're not afraid of the marathon. This is their chance. You know, he'd run 206.58 before this, but you know, you're in a race, you're in it to win it and you're going to go for it. I mean, the fact that that many guys, went through in 101 12 is 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 crazy um yeah john where do you where do you think we should we should take this right now i mean i'm i'm kind of interested in just the i guess the the interplay between bekele and, and kip saying and you know maybe sean could speak to this being there and watching it unfold but you know is it a case that bekele was just you know the way he unloaded that last few kilometers i think you know, I, in my opinion, I think he could have gotten the world record if they hadn't slowed it down a little and, you know, the the end of the 30, late 30Ks segment. But I'm curious, like, you know, watching it, Sean, did you get the sense that Kayle was just much better than Kip saying and this was he was going to win it no matter what? Or do you think he benefited from sort of dropping back and running his own pace a little bit and not surging and sort of trying to make the race like Kip saying did? Well, it's... Uh... You know, it, it 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 had various components to it. Uh, Kip saying, uh, you know, you know, clearly ran like he had done in in similar races before. He can run a steady pace, but he can drop in the odd 249, 250 kilometer to 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 break the race open. And then, you know, he's got a nice smooth stride. He has the strength to kind of recover on the run from those surges. And, you know, the times that he's run and the ease of his victories, you know, had that combination. Run steady, 255, 56, recover at 58, but throw in the 49, you know, or maybe a couple. When he set the record here, he ran 611 uh, for the final 2.2, you know, which is uh, like 48 average for that stretch. You know, by, by reference here, Bekele ran 608, and, again, it, it's very fast. Kip Sane was, was, was really in control from 27K on. On the Berlin course, there's a little bit of downhill in that stretch that kind of you know, allows runners to kind of pick up pace. Or that's, that's where Tregat took off. And so uh, at 27K, Rono had kind of fell off after leading from really 12 to 27K. Rabbits were gone at 17k. So Robert uh, Weldon, when you when you when you joined the show, it was kind of refreshing. You didn't see the the pacers, you know, out front. You know, for the purists, it was a race. Yeah, went back on the broadcast and was trying to figure out. I'm like, because they were talking about Jeffrey Rona being an unofficial pacer, and I I could tell that. I'm like, wait, where are the real pacers? And I had to go back, you know, before halfway to find them on the broadcast. It was was pretty amazing that you know because. You know, sometimes you'll see five guys go on 25K or something. Yeah, and they had some good guys, good experienced guys, but at 61 of them, in fact, you know, at the press conference, Kip Sam kind of quipped up. I wasn't quite sure why the Pacers couldn't keep up, 61-11. But, uh, but yeah, so it uh, – but but then Kip Sam really, really dominated, you know, uh, the from 25 you know, from 27K on, the 29K heading into, that's the first move that really put Bekele on the ropes was that he put a 53 and a 49 together. And uh, and, it, and that at that point in the race, almost instantly, you had, at, well, going into that segment, you were down to five guys, uh, you know, and, and two of them being the, you know, you know, and three of them being somewhat surprises. But... Then almost instantly it strung out to, to five people. And you're right, Lagat, you know, was able to move. There, of the five, Bekele at the end of that move was literally the last person. 
you know, on the stretch. And much like, you know, in Chicago, when he was with uh, Kipchoge and almost instantly, you know, he slid off the bat and the head went down, the eyes went down and boom, it was over. And it, you know, for a minute or two, it looked like that. Uh, but I, I actually, I sit next to the cameraman in Berlin and he's got this, uh, yeah, you in the, are you in a? I saw a picture of a van with a clock. Are you in that van, or are you in a motorcycle? Sort of. What's your physical setup? I'm in the mysterious black van with shaded windows, and uh, and it's got our pasteboard on the on the back of it, and it's a, a bright red white LED. So we're about 20 meters in front of the the athletes, and so we get a very close view. We can see when they when they cross the line. And I, I use a computer, kind of an Excel spreadsheet, to do the timing. And uh, but then we project it on the display, so that keeps us in good position. But What's the? This, uh, actually, I'll post the picture in the, if anyone's in the chat box. What? There's like the ladder on the back of this van. What? What is that thing? I don't. I don't get. I see there's a van. There's a clock at the bottom of it with the projected finish. But well, good, I guess that makes trans- Is that a TV camera a trans- on the back of that van? Yeah, the the crew we work there is uh, called TV Tech. The, most people might be familiar with uh, the camera work done by the Tour de France, the helicopter shots and stuff like that. Same crew. That's the exact camera that they use on the helicopter. And it's on this ladder that can slide down to like six inches below or, or six inches off the ground to ten feet high. And it's and they you know it can rotate. 180 degrees. So that's when you look at the pictures of this lead pack, instead of a lot of races, you get a straight head-on shot or maybe a motorcycle shot. You get all these different views of the uh, of the athletes. And actually, it, and, you know, I'm 20 meters from the race, but this guy's got a big screen. The, the camera operator said, half the time I'm watching his camera because he can get these amazing shots. And, and actually, when Bekele was maybe 40 meters, maybe 50 meters back, I told him, you know, hey, go back and look at Bekele. And he brings the camera right back to Bekele, you know. So literally, it's, I mean, this is a helicopter camera, so it's really sharp image at 50 meters back. And you can see Bekele, you know, his head down, his eyes down, but then all of a sudden, he, you know, slowly but surely his eyes come up again. <laughs> you can see him looking ahead. And, you know, in the next maybe two minutes, he, you know, he, he, you know, he, he climbs his way back into the race, both both in stride, you know, and with the, the visual lock on, on Kipsing. And a th- couple of times, Bekele would, yep. I think it was more, so he got, actually Kipsing made his first move right before 30K. You know, mm-hmm. there was five guys at that point. Lagat uh, um, stayed the closest, but Bekele was the only guy to actually really catch back up, right? I think that's how it went down. Yes. And then so, um I guess around then again at thirty four K pulled ahead again. But um mm-hmm. looking at the looking at the splits, um, you know, before thirty K, like you said, he put in that's about eighteen miles. Uh race Ray is a, a a contributor to Let's Run and a dead spin writer said this isn't communist Russia. We need, we need we need to talk in miles. So about eighteen point six miles, um, you know, he, he he made his first break, and then the KLA caught back up, um, and then kept saying broke ahead again at thirty four k, and but if you look there, the sort of splits weren't that much faster. He sort of just kept the pace two fifty five, two fifty three, two fifty four. Yeah. So was that was that just a case of, I mean that's a you know a little bit faster than they had been averaging, but and then and then you would see Bekele sort of stick his hand up in the one hand up in the air when he was back by himself. So what was going on with that, and what do you think happened with that second break? Was it did he pick up the pace a bit, or was it a matter of Bekele just being tired, or what do you think happened there? Well, if we go to the first break, uh, the 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 only problems Bekele had, he said, starting at 25k, he had a little bit of cramping in his in his right hamstring. You know, he grabbed up at the top of the hamstring. Uh, you know, sometimes you know it's a dehydration thing. He had a problem with one of the bottles, 
and uh, or is it two, but I thought it was only one. But so he had a little little hamstring problem, and that was bef- that was a couple kilometers before the break. So at 27k, when the pace picked up, he he kind of felt it uh, again a little bit there, and you know he said it. He said he was was worried at that point. Uh, and at that point, he, he he brings his hands up. I don't know if you've ever seen the Ethiopians. They do these various drills, uh, training, and some of them are, you know, running with the hands, and they almost get into these swimming types of motions. And if you notice, the hand he brought up, he brought a couple of them up, but mostly he was bringing up the right hand, and he was having a problems with the right hamstring. You can try this when you're jogging sometimes, but it actually loosens up because otherwise you're moving your arm in that same, same position. So basically he was bringing his arm up to relieve the pressure on his, on his hamstring. So, to, to, to address it. And, uh, and, you know, then he said it, uh, you know, uh, you know, went away or, you know, the term he used, he said he beat it, you know, he beat the, the muscle problem. And then, then he said, you know, uh, uh, say, now, I, I was looking at the video replay. I think the first time it took him 11 minutes after the gap to, to catch back up to Kip saying the second move, there was actually eight minutes. So, you know, he, he spent close to 20 minutes, and there was a little bit of a gap a little bit later, but it was only like a five-meter gap. So he probably spent 20 minutes of this race in catch-up mode, you know, which is, a, as anybody that runs marathons, it's a very difficult thing to do, be dropped and then come back. Usually it's a, a one-way street. But he, he did this very effectively. If you watch the video, you know, he's got this, you know, short squat stride. You could always see, well, I mean, he would catch up in little bursts. You know, he'd kind of squeeze off, you know, a little four or five quick strides, and you could see it would, would, would make a little gap change. And uh, so he, he was very methodical at, at cleaning that up. Uh, but uh, to me, and then, then again the second time when it happened, you know, the eyes went down and the eyes came up. And you, you could just see when, when, when Bekele is engaged, you know, the, the camera would go right back and his eyes would be wide open, you know, and, uh, you know, with, with it coming back. So it, uh, like, while Kip saying made the race, you know, the old boxing analogy, Kip saying after ropes multiple times. As to the second move, you know, as a longer distance you get into the marathon, everything becomes more subtle. So a 253 will be like a 249, you know, and and so that opened up the gap. What was significant there was just before that second move, Bekele actually went to the front for, uh, you know, he got maybe two, three meters ahead of Kip's thing. The first time he really, really, really went to the front, and then, then Wilson came back with a pretty quick move, and if you look at that one, uh, you know, Bekele dropped that. In this case, it maybe it was only about 30 meters. He dropped that almost in a minute, you know. So he dropped back very quickly, but then took another seven minutes, and I think it was uh, 37 and a half when he, when he finally got back. So that one was, was more subtle. In fact, um, uh, Wilson's uh, manager, Arian, asked me the same question. You know, did was it a question of Bekele catching up or Wilson slowing down? The first one, I think, was catching up for Bekele, like I say, those little moves. The second one, Wilson made a move but really couldn't sustain it. And so in that case, he more or less slowed down after the move and, and, and Bekele didn't have to work. But Jonathan was right. From when he caught him at 37.5K to 40K, Cautiousness set in, and the world record went out the window at that point in time. That that two and a half k, uh, you know, is is really where where time became secondary to the to the match. And if you look at it from Wilson's point already, you've made two moves. You've had him out the back door, and, and he's back. Yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, looking at the splits. I mean, 34k. That's where he went back ahead. He went 254. Kept it up the next. Yeah. Okay, 253. And then he ran 301 the next one. So he was tired. He still wasn't caught there, you know, because he didn't catch yeah. back up till between 37th K. So then 37K, he went a little bit quicker, 258. Bekele still hadn't caught back up. And then Bekele caught him the next one. And then that, 
you know, they kind of settled in 259, 259, and then 302, which I think killed the record. Um, well, so they went, even at uh, 38K, they were nine seconds over the record. Faster or slower? 40K, uh, they were slower. Uh, you know, they had been ahead of the record all the way up to 35K. They were four seconds under the record at 35K. And, but, say, at 301, you know, when you need a two, think about it, every everyone that you're adding, a 301 adds six seconds over the 255 pace in one, one kilometer. But then by 40K, they're 21 seconds over the record. So even with a 608 finishing, you know, you, you just can't make up that much ground. I mean, Kipchoge was in the same boat in London. You know, they can finish really, really fast, but, you know, they're, they basically run out of distance to, yeah, so to get the time. I guess we haven't really talked exactly about the clock. Um, let's talk about that a little bit. If you're just joining us, this is Let'sRun.com's Track Talk. I'm Weldon Johnson with the professor of the marathon, Sean Hartnett, and Jonathan Galt. Um, so you're in this in this mysterious van, and you've got the clock. Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah, it's gotten softer, though. Oh. Um, Good. Good. Uh, so, sorry, I'm not sure. Cell phone. Uh, John Magari, T-Mobile, help us out here. Anyway, um, so you, uh, can you hear? You're in this black van. I think every kilometer you're projecting the projected finishing time to the athletes. That's how it works, right? Yes, uh, I should give you a little backlog. It, uh, we started doing this in Berlin. Actually, Mark Milday started in Berlin. Well, we, we did it for the first time for with the display in, in 207. And we had been working on something similar in Chicago using whiteboards like the Tour de France and maybe a couple of years before that. And, and the key aspect is to to give pacing data, and actually the, the most valuable one is the projected finish time. But we usually, I mean, what we give is time and distance. So well, we said at 35K, they were below the world record. So it's like 35K, 144.55. So that's the first line. The second line is the split. So last K, 253. And the third data, line of data is 202. 52 pace. So every kilometer they get those three sets of, of, of data. Now we we started it in Berlin at uh, you you've seen the maps that we made. I gave highly uh, three maps of uh, Turgot's world record. And when I visited him at his gym, he had one up on the wall in front of his treadmill and another one by his, his bike. And he could set the his workouts, you know, kind of the resistance on his bike workouts at, at world record pace. And uh, I covered up the map and would ask him the odd distance for, for Turgot's world record. You know, what was he at, 27K? What was he at, 31? And, of course, Haile had memorized them all. He knew really? every split from Turgot's record. Yeah. And Wait, first of all, I'm more curious... The great Heilig Gebreslassi is on a bike. He's tra he trained for his marathon yeah. world record on a bike. Like, what? Yeah, well, that's well, that, of course, because that's his third workout of the day. And uh, uh, I mean, back when he was training for the world records, there was there was three workouts in the day. Uh, primary training done up in the mountains in the morning. A uh, little bit of light training, either a light jog for recovery or. Uh, um, in, in at lunchtime in the afternoon would be in the gym, you know, medicine ball, core workouts. But, you know, his gym is was equipped, I mean, with top of the notch Italian sports equipment, you know, treadmill, uh, and on the bike. And he's an amazingly bike rider, you know, in terms of on this exercise bike. And as Holly would say, you know, he gets off the bike because there's no pounding. You know, his legs have forgotten the morning workout, so he's ready to cycle into the the next day. You know, but but he just go well. So so he's looking at the map and he goes the uh, the numbers and he's looking you know pointing to the numbers on all the maps are good, 
But if we could have the numbers during the race, then I could race the numbers. Now, this sounds a little confusing, but what he's saying is if we could have, and then he looks at the, you know, at his bike there and speeds up to like warp speed, and I get the point, <laughs> you know, because you know when you're on exercise equipment, you what you do, you, you race those numbers, you know, whatever ever you have. And uh, Mark Milday had been had been working on a somewhat similar concept, and so uh, we put it together. Uh, first time 207 a world record, second time 208, you know, under under 204 another world record, and then uh, later that evening, uh, well, right after the race, uh, David Bedford, you know, asked me to come to his office, uh, which is of course the hotel bar, and. Uh, that's when he said, okay, we got to start doing it in London. So we, we started in London in, in 209. I've done it in London every year since then. And actually, have London's adopted kilometers, so now we can do it on kilometers on, on London, in, same in Chicago. And uh, But then, then we had a visit from uh, Sean Wallace-Jones of the IAAF, who, you know, had, had some concerns about it. But, you know, we had, we had thought this through. What we're really trying to do is replicate what is available on the track you know, you have a stop timer, you know, for lap times and for kilometer times that takes the leader split. So so, so that's what we're doing. Uh, you know, we can, can do it each, you know, lap. I mean, they, they can see that, you know, when you come in on a lap, you know what lap it is. And, you know, they'll say 3K and give you the time. So that's the time and distance. And then either on the scoreboard or the announcer, they'll tell you if you're on, you know, world record or U.S. record or what pace. So we're providing that information. We 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 said we we're not going to provide information like you know like Tour de France, you know, like you got a 20 second lead or you know or 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 or, or dare we're going to put a, a video screen at the back of the truck so they can see who's behind, them, you know. So so we we left it just at those three things, and then uh, David Bedford, who's the head of the rules committee. Uh, put it in the IAAF road rules. So now you can look at the rules, and it, it specifies what 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 we can do. And uh, so those those three things: time and distance, uh, split, and projected pace. And we just cycle through it. It's on the back of that lead vehicle, so it's maybe 20 meters uh, ahead of them. It, it's a you know this is LED technology, so it's really bright, easy to read. We we cycle it through for about two minutes. And then we turn it off, and then at the next split, it comes on, you know, with the next split, so they don't have to keep watching it to see if it's changed. So, so that way they, they know if the light comes back on, that's, that's the new split. And uh, it is. It, uh, it's very it's, impressive. I mean, also, I think it's weird because the cameras usually are in front of the runners. You sort of think they're almost running blind, but they have all this information at their disposal. I think almost equally as impressive is is now you get flown to all these races and you get to hang out in the, in the hotel bar. I mean, I think that's what you're saying as well, too, right? Well, uh, yeah, I do a variety of roles, but Berlin has has, has brought me in, and uh, you know, London uh, has brought us in, and so we're in the, the uh, elite athlete support system. You know, what I like to call it is a PED, a performance enhancing display. And, uh, uh, you know, completely legal, you know, works, uh, you know, Emmanuel Mutai has used the system, you know, probably 10, 12 races now because, he, you know, he runs all these. He likes to say it keeps the athlete's attention span. Before the system, there was always like uh, 12, 15 minutes of jogging in the marathon. What, what he meant is that, you know, they're two minutes here, three minutes there, you know, you know, they they just ease back and jog a little bit. Here, every three minutes, they get a you know a, a smelling salt reminder where, where the pace is. You know, it it you know it, it's it's kind of frustrating. Both London and Berlin this year is the first time ever we've been in the vicinity of a record that they haven't got the record. You know, every other year they've been able to kind of ratchet it down. You know, and even you know. Uh, Two years ago in London, when it was really, really cold, Kepchigi wanted uh, wanted the course record. And he could, you know, he used it every, every, you know, he closed very quickly. So even off of a slow pace, it was valuable for him to, you know, get the the, the course record at the time. But in this case, we were were somewhat close, but 
you know, and, and people were concerned in London. Did Kipchoge know that the record, you know, that the clock is, you know, London were a little bit farther apart, but it's 30 meters right ahead. He knew each and every split. But what people don't realize, he was running for the Kenyan trials. That was number one goal. You know, there's no Rio, you know, and with the London Federation, who's to say if he gets second place, if he's, uh, you, know, you know, on the team. So, I mean, that was his primary focus. But the clock was always, always yeah. there. They had to put Wesley Creer on it no matter what. So, uh. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think it, what's it, interesting it, is what you, you, you're able to see the, the clock, and it looks like, you know, in London and Berlin this year, those guys obviously knew, okay, well, we're close, we're close. But then, you know, once you realize there's, a, there's only about two miles to go and there's still a guy standing next to you, they sort of forget about the clock mm-hmm. and just say, well, I got, I got to win this race, you know? I'm curious, you know, in, in Berlin, so two questions kind of related to that. One, they run the first kilometer in 241. Did you put up a projected time at that point? Yeah, you know, I told the guys I'm hesitate to put put it up, but yeah. Well, no. What is the time oh. for that? Uh, well, actually, is it 153? I think on this thing you sent me, it says 153.13. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Uh, we're, we're almost there, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. The two-hour marathon is just minutes away. Well, well, here's the good thing is they, I mean, they saw the time, and, you know, I could see some guys react to it, you know, when I put up the two. I mean, the, the pacers, you know, they see it, but then they ran 257, 254, you know, so they, they, you know, they modified there. You know, here's a couple things about Berlin. You know, that's a fantastic start there. You're heading towards the, you know, the, the column of victory, that big, you know, gold thing. It's flat asphalt. You know, it's like a track surface. You know, you got thousands of people behind you, and they go ripping around that column. You know, and it gives you this sense of speed, and they come out of the turn. So it's a very fast opening kilometer to Bingham. And I guess it's slightly a little bit downhill because you're, you're heading towards the, the river. Now, unfortunately, this is what caused Iliad the problem last year because they ran a little bit slower. They ran uh, 45, but they were still like 436 mile pace. You know, But the thing is you go around that turn for I think like 180 meters. So instead of going around a turn where you turn a little bit, you know, like three strides and around the turn, you're turning constantly. And as they're turning to the left, that's when when uh, Iliad's insoles came out to the right. Because you know? there's good traction on the road, you're on high speed, you know, the, the physics sets it up. But all in all, it's, it's always been a fast flip, but th- that one was really fast. And, you know, who's to know if that left the energy drive. You know, the same same in London. They set a world record at 30K. You know, who's it for us to say that, hey, you guys wasted the record away when you when you, you kind of were gauging each other? But, uh, but yeah, so that that first one, the first 5K, 14, 19, 14, 20 for, you know, for the, the actual runners, you know, it's, it's hard to say 58 flat for 20K. You know, that's back-to-back 29s. You know, that's, that's that's hard to say, but that put them in the position. And uh, fortunately, we had two athletes that uh, you know kept it in position. I should probably yeah, they, they haven't talked. They about went out. Uh, it's a, uh, I was debating this, but they went out way faster than the Olympic 1500 meter final. <laughs> I think the kilometer they were faster. Uh, yeah. Well, so what was the slowest? You know, what was the slowest finishing time ever put on the clock? Was that at 40K? Slowest time, yeah. That was that 203.19, you know, at, at that, you know, so to go to 19 to 03 in, you know, uh, six minutes of running, you, you can see, well, you can see, well, well, Wilson Kipsing ran the 610. I was going to look up Iliad's two years ago in, uh, London, I think it was maybe 610 also. But, you know, this is some serious closing speed that we, you know, well, what do you expect for guys that run under, you know, 1245 for 5K? And, uh, but with Bekele, and it really was only a kilometer and a half. If you look again at at 40K, uh, I think it was a second back of Wilson. And Actually, at the 40K aid station, maybe dropped back two or three. Wilson didn't have a drink at 40K. Uh, Bekele uh, grabbed his drink, 
Uh, he's got new bottles. They're actually smaller. And it's just about, it just has the fluid. A lot of times they have these big bottles and they only drink half of it. He's got a, a small fluid. I think he took three sips on it. And then it was only with, uh, at about uh, 40 and a half case, did he go to the front. And and very quickly, again, kind of using the stride that he used to catch up, he, he, you know, squeezed off, you know, four or five, six quick steps. You know, it was 10 meters, you know, and, and, that was pretty well stayed until he got close to the finish. And I don't know that there was a problem with the finish line clock. If you, if you look at the results, it looked like he was just two seconds off the record, 59. But uh, yeah, saw well, that, you were think, you aware that clock was off? Cause you know, watching the broadcast, I'm like, Oh my God, he just missed it. I can't believe they weren't talking about the record. He barely missed it. And, um, yeah, it's a good thing he missed it by more. Cause it would have been terrible if he, you know, crosses and, 56, and they're like, oops, our clock was off by three seconds. Yeah, there's probably been lawsuits involved. <laughs> I mean, the but, Germans uh, are usually pretty good about those things. Well, yeah, it was it was kind of a mystery. He never had quite figured out. There was a little bit of concern with Holly's record. Actually, Holly's record was the opposite. Uh, you know, actually, the colleague that helps me out with, uh, with the display system, I should mention, there, there's a second professor of marathon. In this case, it's... Uh, uh, professor Helmut Winter of, of Berlin. He, he's now retired, but he's a retired physics professor. And he's really helped me fine-tune the system of integrating the the, the spreadsheets in Excel with, with the displays. And so he helps out at London. He comes to Chicago. So in Chicago, I do the motorbike photography. And... Uh, and uh, and I have a, a team of uh, three people because actually in Chicago we do miles and kilometers. So, so my brother's up. We actually schlep across uh, about six guys from Wisconsin uh, to to do the timing system. We got three on the men's truck and three on the women's truck. And uh, but so so we uh, work off of uh, of those systems there. But uh, in in Berlin. Uh, the one thing we don't see is in, is the finish line because we pull off at the Brandenburg Gate and you could see Bekele kind of almost try to follow us. And but what we had before is is slightly different systems because actually the finish line system is different than the Mika system out on the out on the the splits. In fact, just before this, I was going through and going to check with uh, Helmet. Uh, believe it or not, uh, we start on the atomic clock. You know, because we're we're ways from the starting line. In the marathon, there are no seconds. So if you're a, a hundredth of a second off, you really have to become a second off because you round up. I don't know if we're, we're losing the time thing, but for the marathons, everything's a, a second. But that's also why I can use the computer's clock because they work on seconds, and we just use the space bar. You know, kind of as our and every time we go past a kilometer, we hit a space bar. It automatically does the calculations. Helmut has devised this system where we just export it and then import it into the display system because it's different. But in most splits, we're probably under three seconds on there. So uh, so there's a, a lot of technology. There's, there's a lot of worry. We, you know, we got power systems. You know, I can't see the clock outside. Uh, we probably did 10 hours of testing and retesting for the two hours of the marathon. Uh, but, you know, it's, are, uh, the are athletes some marathons have learned starting to put, I think New York has a mat every mile. Are, are, are some marathons starting to put timing things in every mile? Yeah, and a, a lot of them will, will have that. And you saw in the Olympics, they, they did also. In fact, Helmut was watching in uh, <laughs> on Eurosport, and he was getting the kilometers. And I would get the kilometers from the, actually it was the, not only NBC, NBC and BBC worked in conjunction for the mile splits. And you could actually see the blue cable by the by the mile marks and, and you know, Gil cross them. So actually NBC had missed a few of them, but, you know, we could look at the video and see on the blue cable and, and patch them in. You know, what, what you get is uh, you, you spend a lot of time watching the marathon for these little, blue marks. You know, there's big kilometer marks, but you're looking for actually, in this case, Hugh Jones's survey mark across the line and, and getting that split because the more accurate the split, the, the more accurate the projection. 
But, uh, but so, the, that's that's a little bit uh, how it works, how it evolved. Actually, the I had the biggest pressure with Kipchoge as we were going out to uh, the start at London. Uh, I actually I told him the story about uh, Paul Tregat not wearing a watch when he set that record. You know, because he had a simple simple plan: three minutes. 255, he had pacers, but he said he didn't wear a watch. In fact, he said it was the first time in his career they hadn't wear a watch. And sure enough, you look at other races, he's always got a watch on. But he said, if the time's in me, it's in me, the the finish line will, will give it. And he said, you, you waste a lot of energy and mental focus looking at your wrist. So I told that to Choli a little while back, so on the way out to the bus, he shows me his wrist, no watch on so again, I start checking the cables, the battery charger. You know, the, the level of pressure, you know, was up a little bit. But uh, uh, you know, you always worry that uh, there were actually one or two markers that were out of place in Berlin, thirty-one, thirty-two. So I mean, you you have those fears. I just sent the guys no mark, you know, and and you know, and then that uh, when we got the next one, I I, I gave them the average time between it, the projection time was back on. So it's always, you know, that in the marathon, you know, there's always something that's going to happen. So. Yeah, which we, we're trying to make it a track race, but it's it's not quite there yet. Let's turn to the finish uh, in Berlin. So, one, you peel off at the Brandenburg Gate, and that's about, what, a quarter mile from the finish? Yeah. yeah I'm kind of curious what yeah. sort of time you thought they would run. At that. Like, did you have a projection in your head? Were you thinking, oh, what they're going to run? Like, were you surprised by how fast the finishing time was? Well, and then yeah. I'm also curious, sort of, you know, afterwards, like the reactions of Kip saying and Kayla how they were feeling, because you know, I know you you know them both. But... Well, it, uh, so when you peel off, what what, do you, what were you thinking they were going to finish in? Well, we made sure to we peel off. I I gave so I could give them the 41 kilometer split, and that was 251. So I mean, that was a, a fast kilometer, but still, that only got them down to 203.14 pace. And as we peeled off. And we go in the back, I step out, and the first thing I see is 203.14 pace. And, and see, actually, by this time, they had finished. So I was thinking he could have probably gone under 10, you know, maybe 7. But to see that old three, but if, if you look at that final 200 meters from the 41 kilometer, when he could see the, actually, as it was, uh, mistaken clock, that was a heck of a sprint, you know, that uh, – from from Bekele, you know, uh, uh, you know, all the way in, and I think uh, according to the split, it was 30 seconds for 195 meters. And I think the only one that was close to it, Highly ran 31 when he ran 203.59, and and he had the full out sprint. In fact, uh, his sprint was so hard uh, at the end, it was was really the last time he could really push that hard in his career. But for Ali, he got 203.59. If he would have ran 204 flat, he would have felt defeated. And, uh, funny thing, though, at, at breakfast that morning, we had laid out a schedule for Ali on it, and uh, uh, us and Valentine and I were at the table, and uh, Ali walked, walked away, and then he came back and he said, Okay, what pace do I need to run the final 195 at for world record pace? Well, at that time, you know, it, uh, it was close to that, you know, 71 second pace. So I say about 35, maybe 34 for the 195 would get you the pace. Well, as it turned out, he had to run 31 uh, because he, uh, what happened was that 40K was exactly at 204 and he ran at 248. So that put him like seven seconds under the pace. But that was the year the U.S. Embassy was under construction. If you look at that last 40K, there's a couple right-hand turns. First of all, you can see Bekele really accelerates around those turns with his kind of cross-country skills. But Haile was running out of gas, and he was taking the turns really tight. And so as you would go into a turn, you decelerate and have to accelerate, which is really tough to do when he's fatiguing. So he ran 248, and then he ran 307. And so when he got to 40K, he was actually, you know, two seconds over. He was 204.02, but we had pulled off, you know, we only later when we got it from TV. So, indeed, the final 195 mattered, and he ran 31. 
and it was an all-out sprint. And here, Bekele also 30 seconds for that that final part. So that was impressive. Kip's saying only 10 seconds back, you know, and 10 seconds under his PR. You know, that's, you know, and to have the two of them, you know, and, and actually they, you know, uh, very good sportsmen afterwards, you know, can, can, you know in, in terms, you know, Bekele was, uh, you know, you know he knew who did the work and, and was uh, very quick to point it out, you know. Uh, uh, but uh, Yeah, I mean, it was a know, tremendous foot race. Forget about the times. I mean, it's the most, what, competitive fast marathon ever. Um, and I don't think it would have happened without both of them. But then it's the KOA, you know, then he sees the time and he's like, you know, six seconds off. Is he, was he really, but he's also, you know, reestablished himself as one of the best in yeah. the world. So, I mean, was it more happiness, a little disappointment? I mean, what, what was the overriding sense from him? Uh, actually, when, you know, when, when the time was adjusted, he, he didn't feel. I mean, when you saw the when cross the finish line, he was he was really frustrated, you know, because uh, uh, it was just it was it was fifty nine versus you know fifty seven. Uh, when he realized it was still six seconds, you know, and that's that's forty meters, you know, there were there wasn't you know much he could he do with it. Right. But, I mean, the, the biggest thing was a, a, a two minute PR. Uh, the other thing was the Ethiopian record. They're, they're, they're you know, they're getting Hiley's record, and as he said, by a, by a big margin, you know, 59 to 03. That's that, that's a big chunk. Uh, but uh, after the right before the award ceremony, when I when I, when I got back, uh, uh, Wilson and uh, and and uh, Kenisa were were by this BMW, checking out this BMW. They actually had let them drive it through through the area the day before. And we're having good conversation about the race, and and uh, and I noted Kenanisa that it's 42 kilometers, and it's been a you know a, a three-year journey, you know, from when he really started the marathon, you know, to to here. And uh, Kenanisa quickly quickly reminded me, no, it's 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 been a seven-year journey, and uh, uh, because really uh, his problems began in Berlin, you know, after the World Champs. Uh, he got injured, you know. After that, and he's been basically injured and not at his top form for for seven years, and that's that's probably the the most significant you know you know thing about it is that you know a it doesn't surprise anybody that Bekele runs two o three o three, but seven years of you know largely misfortune and. You know, injury problems and lack of full fitness, and and any one of those days in that seven years, if he said I had enough, my career is over, nobody would have argued with him whatsoever. But uh, the dedication, the Kaylee, you know, the, the the string of leg injuries, particularly the the nerve injuries when it moved into there. I remember talking to Yas that. It was either late 209 or early 210. I was calling him, calling him, and he was, I think, in Paris airport with Bekele. They just come back from the doctor, and the the, the extent of the nerve damage in his in his right leg, uh, uh, basically, uh, he, he thought his career was over. You know, and and Yas said too, the second time after Dubai and the injuries there, when he, you know, he thought the second time, you know, his career was over, but. Uh, even this summer, I think in Rio, people were talking about him. Maybe I was talking to Jerry Longman, who wrote a really good piece on him in his comeback. And, you know, the, even the sentiment then was like, uh, I don't know if he can ever get to the point where he can run pain-free or train at the level he needs to. So I think for track and field fans, Sunday was a you know a tremendous day and great for the sport, what it needs. You know, we sort of need these icons. They can't last yeah. forever. Even, you know, Gabriel Slossi shows that, but sort of, you know, you can run pretty yep. good at 35, 36, 37 years old, and the Kaylee's only 34. Um, yeah. We should, we should probably 34. be wrapping this up. John, sort of, what, you know, I don't know, the future of the marathon, what do you want to sort of touch on real quickly here in the last five minutes? Well, I, I guess the natural thing is to to look ahead, and I know this marathon just wrapped up. We still got Chicago and London, sorry, Chicago and New York this fall, but 
I mean, Bekele versus Kipchoge, round two, you know, they raced in London earlier this year, and Bekele, you know, his training was a little abbreviated. He didn't really get get rolling until the last maybe six weeks before London, and Kipchoge, you know, beat him pretty badly. But I think these two guys together on the same marathon course in London next year, you know, assuming they both run, which which I think they they probably will, maybe Sean can speak to that. I don't know. I mean, do you, do you see this as, a, as an even matchup, Sean, or do you – Weldon as well, or do you guys think – I mean, in my opinion, Kipchoge is still – he's the best marathoner I've ever seen. I still give him the edge. But, I mean, if Bekele just ran 203-03, I think you you got to give him some kind of chance against them, right? Yeah, and I think uh, you have to – Go ahead, Sean. Go ahead, well, that, that was the one missing link in the – you know, uh, it didn't take me too long. In fact, I, I – I know I, I was with uh, Kip, uh, Ken Nisa later later in the evening, and uh, I had my mind to ask him, uh, "How do you think uh, Iliad would would factor in?" But uh, it it'll make an intriguing match, and it, you know who's to say Kip Sang, you know, might not be able to produce the commitment in in form, uh, and there. But uh, boy, I, I agree with Jonathan. Uh, Iliad has. Uh, you know, he, he's he's the complete picture. I mean, he, here's the other thing. Kenanisa, the string of injuries, Elid has never been injured in his career. And there's a there's about six good reasons for that. And that he's meticulous in his preparation, meticulous in, in everything he's done. And, and combining that with his talent, you know, Bekele will enter this next marathon, hopefully, you know, 100%. You know, he's got... You know the he's got. The, I was talking with his physios, a 27-year-old German. He's also the, the physio for Ilana. Now think about that. Five and ten. I mean the 10,000 world record holders in this. But he he does a great job. They've got the you know they've got that sub two support group that uh, uh, does a lot on his nutrition's the the, the fluids and uh, so I think it's very good. His his confidence will be up. But then again, there's Kipchoge who has a screen down. So I, you know, he beat the Olympic champ. The favorite won the Olympics this year. So it's it's a race that we can look forward to, and I, I'm I'm I can pretty rest assured that uh, Mr. Bedford, Mr. Latimer at the London Marathon will do their best to 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 give the marathon world what uh, what it looks richly he's looking forward towards. Yeah, I'm saying it now. If they're racing London, I'm going, I got to see that one. Um, I mean, it's so good. Like, Kipchoge, I think, with the Olympic win, he totally established himself as the best marathoner ever. But yeah. now, the KOA, the greatest track runner ever, sort of running 20303, you're just like, okay. You know, I mean, Kipchoge 20305 in, in London is a vastly, or not vastly, but it's a superior performance. I don't know how much slower, Sean, you think London yeah, is, but it's a, it's it's a, a half a minute, course. Right? It, was a raw, it was a raw day. I mean, it's probably 20 to 30 seconds slower in Berlin, especially, I mean, London on that day, because, I mean, it was not good weather. <laughs> you know, it wasn't, where in Berlin, it's perfect weather so right. that they have there. But uh, in London, if they get if they get halfway decent weather, you know, uh, uh, you know, seven on a scale of ten, it's you know, it'll be on. So it's interesting, you know. Uh, after the race, you know, uh, you know, Kip Sang's manager pointed out, you know, Kip Sang's zero for five against Bekele in road races when it comes to the finish. You know, and 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 both athletes know that, you know. And in that, in a sense, we were trying to explain why the hesitation at that point, you know, Kip saying going to do it. Maybe he, he didn't want to deliver the Kaylee the record of his teammates at that point. But, well, we also know the record of the Kaylee versus Kipchoge, you know. And so I'm sure Ely has done the, done the calculations here. And uh, so I think he's working on a tactic uh, to, 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 to deal with the, uh, Mr. Bekele, you know, when they ran in Chicago, there was a very, you know, uh, well, in particularly Bekele, more so keying on uh, Kipchoge. There's a little bit of dynamic there. They they are good friends, you know. Uh, when I went to Bekele's wedding, uh, uh, I shared the uh, 
uh, next year that the one athlete that uh, came from Kenya, you know, was was Kipchoge. You know, they they have the same manager. Us is the same manager, but he's a manager of a lot of uh, Kenyans. So there's uh, you know a, a very good relationship between it. But uh, that's a cool story. Uh, you know that there was one Kenyan athlete at his wedding, and it was Kipchoge. I, I didn't know that at all. That's an interesting sort of tidbit. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I I'm not gonna, wait, American. wait, it was Kipchoge or Kip Thing? Sorry. I uh, know it was Kipchoge. Yeah. Oh, Kipchoge. Kipchoge his, his wife and his daughter. His daughter was the the head of the wedding. She was about two years old. Old then, uh, but uh, but yeah. So they're 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 very, you know, very uh, keen friends and uh, um, you know respect each other. And uh, so it's uh, you know it's uh, you know you know God willing they've been able to they they've been able to stay healthy and, and continue training and uh, but uh, uh, but yeah so it's something to look forward to uh, it better happen uh, all that, you electron.comers out there start saving your money we're gonna have the first charter flight to London so we all can go watch it um, so that. As you pointed out, when we we started this, is that you know, you know, I, in fact, I, I sent an email to Mark Milder because I rewatched the fight, and this is one of these races. The the more you look at it, the more compelling a race it was. Um, you know, a lot of races, you know, even that you see it, it's almost the opposite. When you look back at it, you know, I don't need to watch it again. You know, it, it's kind of set set in your mind. It, Think of all the other records have been, you know, really one-dimensional races, and uh, you know very well if 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 Bekele hadn't produced, uh, you know, Kipsey might have very well have gotten that world record if he was by himself, you know, at 37k, you know, and uh, if he had managed to drop him, that might might have might have opened the door there. But that that's what makes it so interesting, and uh, that. Uh, I think I sent you a note that morning that I I rode down the elevator with with Ken Nisa and he was all smiles and Ken Nisa is not a guy that is usually all smiles and uh, so in a lot of sense I think inside you know he knew that this this was a very very good opportunity for him. Yeah, he definitely took advantage of it. Well, thank you, Sean. Thank you, John. I think that's a good place to wrap it up unless someone's got some parting shots, but what a race. Uh, if you haven't seen it, seriously, take the time to go back and at least rewatch, you know, the last 30 minutes, maybe right before 30 K. Um, it's on NBC live extra. If you get that, it's got great commentary. It's Tim Hutchings is on the commentary. So, um, I knew the results and I still was mesmerized by the race. It's, it's just, it was one of the, you know, better marathons ever. If, if you know, arguably the best um, in terms of competitive race. So, Sean, uh, thank you for giving us your insight. John, thank you for joining us. Everyone who's listened, um, thank you as well. Uh, this is Walton Johnson signing off. Thank you. Bye. Bye, John. Bye, Sean. Bye. Bye, John. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.